0: Very soon, when Moshiach comes, we will greet him with joy, with singing and dancing, and together we will sing.
1: Welcome to Sunday Shmooze with Rabbi Mendy Kievman from the Chabad House Jewish Community Center on Cedar Street in Milford. Sit back, relax, and enjoy a stimulating discussion of news and humor from a Jewish perspective. Here's Rabbi it's Mendy. A good week to one and all. And we'll begin with the Yiddish word of the day brought to you by Kate's Financial Services. Afrelechen Hanukkah. Most of you are going to begin wishing your friends and neighbors a happy Hanukkah, Whether you'll begin today or this afternoon or maybe this evening, When Chanukah actually begins. But when you say a happy Chanukah, what you're really saying is in Yiddish, a in Chanukah. Afrelach means happy. Chanukah is Chanukah. It's Hanukah. It's not Hanukah with an H. It's Chanukah, usually spelled in English with a CH, to get the CH. I once uh, heard Tony Danza. Some of you may have heard his name before. He's a big supporter of Chabad. He loves Chabad, and no, he's not Jewish. And uh, he was once speaking about Chabad, and he was asking people to help donate money to Chabad, and he kept saying, H-h-h-h. and so he said, How do you say the in Chabad? And he, and he said, It's very simple. You just have to say it as if you have a cream cheese stuck in your throat. So it's, Hanukkah. it's Chanukah. It's not Chanukah, it's not Kanukah, it's not Hanukkah, it's Chanukah. And everyone should take their time today to practice saying Happy Chanukah or Afrelich in Chanukah. But more importantly than practicing the way to say it, is the thoughts that come along with it. Chanukah is a very joyous time. It's a time that comes during the winter, the cold and dark. You know, it's, uh, the nights come early and it's actually the earliest, the, earliest, uh, the shortest days are these days? You know, we're lighting Shabbos candles these days at 3:59. Was on Friday. Uh, it's not going to get much earlier than that. I think the earliest it gets is um, let me see. I'm looking at my calendar right now. It was 3:59 yesterday, uh, Friday, uh, two days ago. And it, the earliest it gets is 3:56 in two weeks. It's going to go to 3:57 next week. 3:56. On the on December 10th and then already on December 17th it starts getting later again it becomes 358 so these are the earliest days the shortest days of the year that means we have so much more night and darkness and it's also cold it's getting cold out there uh, you know we have we haven't had a terrible weather but we you know Friday night it already snowed a little bit uh, did anyone notice that it was during dinner that we noticed it was uh, snowing. Talking about dinner on Friday night, that was really special. I don't know if we've ever done something like this in the 21 years that we've been here. But this year, uh, with the uh, juxtaposition of Thanksgiving and Shabbos and right away um, Hanukkah, we thought it would be nice to make a community dinner connected with Thanksgiving and Hanukkah. So we had uh, the uh, turkey uh, cook-off. Bracha Gilmeister and Rachemin Marmin showed off their talents in cooking a turkey, and they both each made their own turkey. It was out of this world, delicious, delicious. I I have to say, I don't eat much turkey. I'm not very religious when it comes to uh, Thanksgiving, or eating the turkey of Thanksgiving, I should say. I try to be religious about Thanksgiving, about giving thanks to God and giving thanks to those who are, um, are special to me and, and, and have done so much for me now and in, in, in the past. But I'm not so religious about the eating of turkey on Thanksgiving. So it was really nice. A uh, nice group of people came together on Friday night. We had a nice davening. We had a cocktail hour, said Lachaims, And then uh, we had a delicious dinner that Rachi cooked up a storm, as she always does. And uh, this time was no different. But the uh, addition to that was the uh, two different turkeys, one with stuffing, one without stuffing. Maybe might, we might say one was an Ashkenazi turkey, and the other one was a Swardy turkey. But they were both delicious. And everyone, uh, they got a, almost a standing ovation for the artwork that they did on making uh, the turkeys. So that was Shabbos uh, Friday night um, it was also very nice that all the Kivman boys are home and uh, including one girl Khani, who's always here uh, and then Imri Sashem, Hashem we're looking forward that next week the entire Kivman clan will be uh, back here well not necessarily the Keevmans. all the boys Kivmans and Khani, and additional to that our Mushki who's now not a Kievman anymore she's now a Munitz she'll be here together with Shmuli. That's Shmueli that is. And we look forward to having the entire family back home for um, Hanukkah, Shabbos, Hanukkah, which is next week. Next Shabbos, which is um, December 3rd or 4th. Let me look here. December 3rd, Friday night. Uh, So we're really excited about that. So we had a very special Shabbos along with the boys, two yeshiva boys, friends of our sons, came for Shabbos. It was nice for bringing. Anyway, so two third graders, I heard the story recently, two third graders, Robbie and Zach, they were best friends and they were go-getters. They're the kinds of kids that you think that when they get older, they're probably going to start up a, you know, a, a, a company that's going to take off, you know, a, a Google, an Apple, you know, they'll start something. So they decided that they're going to start selling candy bars just to make a little bit uh, easy side money. You know, they bought it at the candy store and they sold it on the street corner. So one day they're selling, and an older woman walks by, and she smiles because she likes their pitch, you know, pitching the you know, little kids, third, third graders, selling candies. And this woman says to them, I'll tell you what, I'll buy a chocolate bar on one condition. So I say, what's the condition? She said, well, my doctor said that I can't eat any uh, candies, any sweets. So I'll buy it on condition that you guys eat the chocolate for me. Okay. So she buys the chocolate bar. She hands the kid the money. The kid hands him the, cho- hands the woman the chocolate bar. And then the woman hands the candy bar right back to Robbie. He shook his head as he put the chocolate bar right back on the table in the display where he's going to sell it again. And he motions to her, I'm sorry, I can't, I can't. And she says, the old lady says to him, I don't understand, why, why not? Why, why are you not eating it? And she, and Robbie looks right into the woman's eye and says to her, you know, my mommy always told me that I'm not supposed to take candy from strangers. You know, I often think to myself about the contradiction or the dichotomy. It's very amusing that on Thanksgiving, we find it to be a day of reflection, a day of gratitude and thanks to God for the important things in our life. And thanks to the people that are important in our life. And that day of reflection is followed almost instantaneously well, it used to be literally in the middle of the night now it's early in the morning by a shopping frenzy known as Black Friday. You know the truth is at Chabad we, we've changed transformed Black Friday into Bright Friday because on Friday the women light the Shabbos candles to bring in brightness into the world. <clears throat> You know what, I'm a little thirsty, so we're going to pause here for a second as I talk about the contradiction of having a day of reflection and then a shopping frenzy as let's get a yarmulke up, put it on your head, and we'll say the shaman and I'll say a blessing on a drink so that we can uh, continue unabated. Is that a real word? Peter, are you listening? Unabated, like nonstop kind of thing. We got a marathon going today, especially because there's a lot happening and we got a lot to cover. Okay, you have a yarmulke on your head, please join together with me. Cover your eyes with your right hand and say Shema Yisrael Adonai Eloheinu Adonai Echad Baruch Shem Kivod Malchuso Leolam Vaed. Now grab a coin. I got a couple of coins here, and you got a pushka, drop the coins in the pushka, and then if you have a drink, whatever's in your drink, whether be a hot coffee, hot tea, last week I had, I had a lukewarm coffee, because by the time I got to the coffee, it was hot when we started the show, and by the time I remembered to drink it and say the bracha, um, it was already lukewarm, but today I just have plain water, it's actually not plain water. Maybe one day we'll talk about this. It's overreaching H2O. It's uh, what they call alkaline water. I'd love to hear your point of view. It's, uh, I recently started drinking this alkaline water, and I want you to tell me, you know, they have a water called Smart Water. Is it because the owners of the company were smart to get you to pay $5 for a bottle that cost you 50 cents? Or is it indeed helpful to you? What's your opinion on alkaline water? I'd love to hear that of you. Rabbi at JewishMA.com. Send me an email or send me a text and let me know your thoughts about drinking these specialty waters. Is it just a fad or is it really helpful? Okay. Baruch ata Adonai. Eloheinu Melech HaOlam Shehakol Nihiah Bidvaro. I also want to hear about it, not just about the health benefits. But does it taste better or different than, say, tap water or regular Poland Springs bottled water? I'd love to hear your opinion. Send me an email. Maybe I'll read some of the opinions. I won't use your name. I'll read some of the opinions next week. So as I was saying, I think it's ironic that we Americans go from our humble feelings of thanksgiving to an all-out campaign of give me more seems like the exact opposite of Thanksgiving. Now to be fair, there are people that are looking for gifts to give to others. Yeah, Hanukkah's coming although the original custom was to give and is to give it still is the custom is still is to give Hanukkah geld to give children actual money but there's the possibility that uh, people like to give gifts okay. But you have to admit to me that the general feeling that goes with Black Friday you know feels like or at least smacks of greed and and at at, at the very least it encourages jealousy I, I'm sure you've seen the pictures and videos from various uh, places where they have these doorbusters or lost leaders, which I'll talk about in a moment that People are running into the stores and they're fighting over, you know, the vacuum cleaner or the, 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 the computer screen or whatever it is, the, whatever it is on the big sale and people are fighting over it five minutes after they finished eating turkey, thanking God for the things that they have. So it seems like it's this, this not double standard, but a contradiction, dichotomy that happens uh, between those two days. Now, this obviously happens because the stores and the companies are trying their best <coughs> to uh, bring uh, customers to their stores. So there's these fierce price wars between the major businesses. Everyone is trying to undercut the, 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 the prices that are being offered in, in the, the competitors. And literally, these, these uh, retailers are, are, are acting in hand-to-hand combat Slashing, pi- plice, uh, uh, slashing prices just to be able to uh, get customers into their stores. Now, one of the big deals I told you about, the, the, door, bu- the, the door busters, m- most stores and websites offer products that are even below cost to them. And there's a comedian, you may have heard of him, Jackie Mason, Oliver Shalom, who says that every Jew buys whatever they own, they buy it below cost. So you see a Jew and he has his fancy watch and you say to him, how much did you pay? He said, I paid below cost, below cost. And, and Jackie says to him, below cost? I mean, how does the owner make a living? To which the Jew responds, ah, he sells a lot of watches. Bada boom. So a lot of these companies offer products that are below cost just to get you through their doors or just to get you onto their websites. And these uh, 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 pr- um, very low priced objects or items are either referred to as doorbusters because you're got to bust through the doors to get them, or they're called loss leaders. The point is that they, they they usually generate great profits only by getting customers to walk into the store and start shopping. They won't they're a loss leader because you, you're losing money. the company's losing money on selling you that laptop or on selling you that uh, new gadget, a new game, a new iPhone, whatever it is that they're selling that's big in that year. Headsets. But their point is, you'll come into the store, so they lost money on this product, but... By losing the $50 or $100 in that product, you're going to spend hundreds more on other products, hoping that you're going to turn the red into black. And that's why it's called Black Friday. It has nothing to do with rabbis wearing black hats. That's during the conference of the Shluchim. This is all about changing the um, uh, scoreboard on their on their profits and earnings from red, which means that they're losing money, to black, which means that they're... Uh, making money. Mushki's going to have to help me out over here. She's the accountant in the family now. So uh, she'll help me out if I said this correctly. The red is where they're losing money and the black is when they're making money. Anyway, so in the Torah portion that we read yesterday, which leads to the Torah portion that was starting this week, we find that Yaakov, Jacob, gives his son, Yosef, or Joseph, he was his favorite son, he gives him a special coat, a colorful coat, and that caused envy to his brothers. That began a a, a series of events which led in time that they should sell him as a slave and Yosef ends up in Egypt as a slave working for a uh, high-ranking government official. But that wasn't bad enough for Joseph; He suffers even more when he's thrown into prison for something he didn't even do. He's thrown into prison after a false accusation by his master's wife where she accuses him of inappropriate behavior and he gets thrown into prison. But that leads to what we start reading today, in the portion that we start reading today, where Pharaoh has a dream, a series of dreams, and he can't find anyone to interpret his dreams. And one of the old ministers that was in the jail with Joseph tells Pharaoh, Oh, there's a Jew in the jail. And he can interpret your dreams. He brings them out and he interprets Pharaoh's dreams and he becomes the viceroy of Egypt. All these sequences, and if you look at them in a row, you find something very ironic. Because in the beginning, Jacob intends to show his love and affection for Joseph by giving him this extraordinary gift. What came out of that? What came out of that was that Joseph became hated and despised by his brothers. On the flip side, Joseph gets sold into slavery and eventually gets thrown into prison. And he expects, you know, he's thrown into prison. Egypt was known as a place that slaves and prisoners never got out. Alcatraz. Did anybody ever break out of Alcatraz? I don't know. But I think that's the place that nobody broke out of. But Egypt was known, the Talmud tells us, Rashi quotes it, that nobody was ever able to break out. If you were a slave in Egypt, you were there forever. So he expects that he's going to languish forever in prison. But what does that lead to? That leads to him becoming the viceroy of Egypt and ultimately reunion with his father and he's able to take care of his family during famine. Now obviously, the whole story of jacob and joseph and his brothers and egypt and becoming the viceroy etc is filled with signs of god moving the pieces on the on the chessboard you can imagine the, the the series of events <clears throat> excuse me the series of events are all orchestrated the way god wanted eventually joseph should help his family and eventually they should come down to egypt which led to the slavery of the Jewish people, which led to the Jewish people going out of Egypt, receiving the Torah, and and, and eventually coming to the land of Israel. All these things, God, it was divine providence. But while I was listening to the Torah reading yesterday, my son Srili got to read the Torah, which is a nice break for me when the, the boys come home. It's a nice break that they get to read the Torah. It's also a break for Barry. You know, Barry Giller is my, is my right-hand man. He sits, he stands on the right side of the bima, and he makes sure that whenever I make a mistake, he corrects me. And, uh, you know, it happens. You know, even rabbis make mistakes. So it's really nice that I get a break. I don't have to read it from the Torah this week. And Barry gets a break because my boys know how to read much better than me. They make less mistakes than me. So as he was reading it, and I was following along, I was listening to the story again even though I read it during the week and besides the divine providence that was there, I thought about the same idea about the loss leader. The, you know, just like the stores you know, have that, that object that, that, that item that they get to sell to you at a loss to get you into the store, it's a leader but it's a loss leader. The unique coat that Joseph received was instrumental in getting him into trouble. But that trouble that he got into ultimately brought a great reward to him and his family. It was a loss leader. It got him into trouble, but it brought something much greater. Slavery and prison time for Joseph was obviously very tough. But over time, that led to greatness. So in a sense, these events were loss leaders. They seemed detrimental. They seemed wasteful. But the result was a clear, vigorous advance. Now, it's not easy when you're going through the challenge. One of our community members who's going through a health challenge was talking to me yesterday in Shul, about the challenge and the fear when you're going through uh, this health challenge and you don't know what the outcome will be. Even if you have uh, bitachon, Hebrew word for the day brought, brought to you by the Armines, who are obviously in town because they uh, Rachman made the uh, turkey on Shabbos. Um, so bitachon, a very important word. It means faith, it means trust, knowing that everything will be okay. But even when you have that, it sometimes you, maybe you la- we're lacking a little bit, and it takes a great personality, someone with deep foresight, to appreciate that the that the detrimental moments will lead and result in great advantage, in, in, in great advances. It takes a Joseph to be able to persevere and we all have joseph in us we can also persevere even when we're going through tough tough challenges if we have the right mindset that everything is orchestrated by god and we keep on telling ourselves and we study torah and chasidus to help us feel that that any challenge is surmountable so indeed we're grateful on Thanksgiving. And perhaps the message of Black Friday, which comes right after Thanksgiving, is that we need to show that thankfulness by investing in a lost leader. What can a lost leader be for you? Well, for some of us, a lost leader might, be, might mean devoting time to a friend who cannot repay the kindness to you. So is it a waste of time to help them if they can't help you back? Obviously not. Now for others, it may be committing to keeping kosher. Even though, we all know keeping kosher usually costs more. And yet others will find it a challenge to observe a mitzvah which they don't completely understand or they didn't grow up with. Others might find it hard to light Shabbos candles on a Friday in the winter, in the summer. I'm sorry, in the winter when Shabbos comes in so early, as we just talked about earlier, and and they have to leave work to be able to light the candles, or maybe they're going to have to light it at work, and it's very difficult. Will they lose money? Each one of us, as we come from Thanksgiving and Black Friday, and we're going into. Chanukah tonight, we have to think to ourselves, what is your spiritual loss leader? Because know this, like all of the retailers know, that if you have a loss leader, the dividends will pay off. And I guarantee you that your loss leader will pay off in many, many blessings to you and to your family, not just in the immediate future, but for many, many long years to come. Each morning, in our Shachris Davening, we say, matov How lucky we are with the lot that we have. There's no jealousy because we indeed have such a special life and life mission. And the fact that we are chosen by Hashem to fulfill the mitzvahs and to study Torah. Eighth Day has a great song called, Lucky.
0: The clean up pattern every clock that ticks is telling me This is our time lucky always on my three volcano Oh my no you're going to lane you Oh my for you do shall say no Oh my for you do shall say no Lucky Rollers, to beggars and high rollers This holy puzzle's coming clear Every last piece is needed Long here Long sold driver Part-time graphic designer Any clock that ticks is telling me This is our time, lucky always Lucky, lucky world
1: Indeed, how lucky we are, and especially as we get ready to light the Hanukkah menorah tonight, we are indeed very lucky for all the greatness and miracles that have come our way. So tonight, being the 25th day in the month of Kislev in the English calendar, uh, we're November 28th, is the first night of Hanukkah. Hanukkah commemorates the miracle, known as the miracle of oil or the miracle of the lights, way back when, I'll do this in short, the Jewish people were ruled by the mighty Syrian Greeks. And they um, instituted many decrees against the Jewish people, mostly about how they can or cannot practice Judaism the general rule was, they didn't completely outlaw Judaism. They outlawed Judaism, which is connected to God. In other words, they had no problem. They believed in the concept of traditions and customs, and even they study. You know, they had many of their own traditions. They're very famous for their sports and the worship of the body. So they, they understood that peoples have traditions and customs and ways of study. What they didn't like, what bothered them was that Jews connected their customs and traditions with God. The study of Torah wasn't just uh, a- academic. The study of Torah was because it was God's Torah. And if it's God's Torah, it's completely real and whole and true. There's no two ways about it is no well this part of torah makes sense to me so i'm going to do it that part of the torah i don't agree with it so i'm going to ignore it there are many jews that suffer from that these days where certain parts of the torah don't jive with their western um, thoughts and 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 uh, inspirations so parts of torah aren't relevant to them anymore at least that's what they think and that's what the Syrian Greeks wanted. Go ahead, study Torah. But don't study it because it's God's Torah. Go ahead and do a mitzvah here and there. But don't do it because it's God's mitzvah, because God told you to put, it on, put on tefillin or, or, or light Shabbos candles. Do those things because it's a good tradition that your family and your ancestors have done. And that's why when they went into the temple, to desecrate the temple, They didn't break all of the um, uh, objects that were in the temple, the menorah, the the table, the the altar. They didn't break them. And in fact, you know, we know the story that they they defiled all of the the bottles of oil. There were bottles of oil that had the seal of the uh, high priest, which showed this one was um, pure oil and this one was impure oil. The ones with the seal, unbroken seal, showed that it was pure oil. You know, when you buy uh, over-the-counter drugs in the the pharmacy, whether it's Tylenol or Ibuprofen, you know, there's a a seal. You open up the bottle cap, there's a seal. And you know, if that seal is broken, you don't take that uh, medicine because it's obviously tampered with. Similarly, in the temple, they had the seal and if any of them were broken, you couldn't use it. So the Jews come back To the temple, and the first thing they want to do is light the menorah because Jews understood that at that moment you got to bring light. There was so much darkness, you have to bring light. So you have to find some oil to light the menorah. Each bottle was enough oil to light the menorah in the temple for one night. The temple's menorah, by the way, only had seven branches well, six branches and one in the middle, but the one in the middle was equal level. To the other six branches. Unlike Arminor, which is eight plus the extra one, which we'll talk about in a minute. But that's because we're commemorating the eight-day miracle. So they they they're looking for oil and they see all of the oils are intact, the bottles are intact, but the seals are broken. The Syrian Greeks, in Hebrew known as the Yivanim, they didn't spill out the oil. They didn't even steal the oil. All they did was break the seal on the oil bottles. Again, because their point wasn't to destroy what was there. Their point was, go ahead, light the menorah. But do it not the way God told you. Do it with impure oil. The Jewish people, on the, the, the Maccabees, they looked and searched around the temple and they found one cruise of oil, one bottle of oil that was untainted, was not broken. The seal wasn't broken. And it was each, as I said, each one lasts for one night. They took that oil and they lit the menorah anyway. You know, the other day, we were very honored to have a, a lunch here at Chabad. Brought uh, uh, hosted by the uh, Gillies House by Bracha Gilmeister um, for moms who lost a child, and we're very we very excited to be able to host them. This was the second year we did it, and um, Bracha asked me to speak about uh, the theme of uh, finding inner strength to move forward. And I talked about how they found this one cruise of oil in the temple, in the Holy Temple in Jerusalem. And they obviously could have said, let's wait until we have new oil. It takes eight days to produce new oil? Okay, so we'll light the menorah in eight days. But the Jewish people realized that they were in such a dark time, they needed to light the menorah then and there. Let's bring light. What happens later? We have a little bit of oil to bring light? Okay, we'll bring some light. But let's do something. We all have a little bit of oil inside of us. It's up to us. We can either say, let's wait till I have more oil. Where I'm really up to it to be able to spread my light. Or the teachings that I have to offer to others. Or I say, let me give what I have now. Give you what I got. Let me give what I have now. And that's what they did. They took the one cruise of oil, filled up the seven cups on the menorah, and they lit it with the wick. They lit the flames, and the miracle of miracles, that the candles, the flames, continued to burn for eight days straight. Until there was enough time to bring more oil, produce more oil. And our sages have instituted to commemorate this miracle that every year when it comes to Hanukkah, the 25th day in the month of Kislev, we light a menorah each night. We add another, another flame, another candle. The first night we light one, second night two, and all the way to the last night where we light all eight candles. And that commemorates the eight-day miracle. We have other customs as well, and I'm sure you have other customs that I'm not going to mention. Some of them is about eating oily foods because um, the miracle of the oil. So people, some people eat latkes growing up. That was the only oily foods we ate on Hanukkah. But as I got older, I heard about another custom where people eat Hebrew word for the day, number two, sufganiyot. Sufganiot are donuts or Israeli donuts, typically jelly donuts, um, because again they're fried in oil. Others have the custom to eat dairy foods during Hanukkah because one of the side victories took place with Yehudis, who uh, used dairy foods to dispose of one of the, uh, or I should say, the modern-day terminology, to neutralize. Uh, one of the enemy generals. There's another custom that Jewish women don't do any labor during the time when the menorah is lit to commemorate this this um, brave woman, Yehudis who uh, sac- put her life on the line to neutralize this uh, enemy general. Those are some of the customs. But the most important... Oh, I forgot an important custom. An important custom is... To give children Chanukah gelt. It's a way of teaching children about education and about giving um, a tenth of their earnings to tzedakah. So by giving our children some money every night, it doesn't have to be a lot of money. It could be a dollar, it could be five dollars. But by giving our children some money every single night of Chanukah, we can teach them about the mitzvah of tithing giving 10% of what we make to tzedakah because after they collect all that money over the course of Hanukkah and then on the fifth night of Hanukkah we give extra money to our children. Then at the end they count it up. We teach them fractions and we teach them about how to figure out 10% of their earnings. And then they give that amount to tzedakah. So those are customs. But the, uh, the most important law on Hanukkah is to light The menorah menorah has to be, a a, a Hanukkah menorah uh, has to be either made for candles or for oil and wicks. Now there's not many requirements to have a kosher menorah, but I'm going to give you some of the information that you need to know to make sure that your menorah in your house is a kosher menorah and what you're going to light tonight and for the next eight nights is done in a kosher way. Most menorahs that you'll find on the market are fine. But the basic elements of a menorah is that it has eight cups that either hold candles or oil. And then besides the eight holders for candles or oil, there has to be one more, a ninth one, that's set apart from the rest of them. It could be either higher, which it typically is, or lower than the other flames. It could be in the center of the other flames or at the end of the other flames. This this extra candle is known as the shamish, the attendant candle. We use that, and that's typically a candle. Even those that use oil, like I do in my house, will still use a candle, usually a beeswax candle, to light the other candles. Now there's some things you should consider when you get a menorah. Now, the Hanukkah lights can either be wax candles or fueled by oil. Because, and that's even better because the miracle of Hanukkah happened with olive oil. So the best is to use oil or, and even better is to use olive oil. But candles are just fine. Now, some people realize that when they buy an article, an item for a mitzvah, you should try to find the most beautiful one that you can afford. Now, obviously, you don't want to go too crazy. You don't want to overspend than you should. But if you spend a lot on your cell phone, you can probably spend a lot or a similar amount on your menorah. Your cell phone will be gone in a, in a year or two, and your menorah will last you for a lifetime. And typically, if you can aff- afford it, people try to get a silver menorah. Because beautifying a mitzvah is our way of expressing our appreciation to God, and we show how dearly we hold His commandments. Now, the eight candles of the menorah must be arranged in a straight line. They cannot be in a semicircle and they can't be one cup higher or lower than the other. You know, sometimes you might see a menorah where the farthest ones, the number one and number eight are lower and then number seven and number two are higher and number three and number five, uh, number six are, are, are higher. That is not a kosher menorah. They can't be in a slant. They can't be in a semicircle. They all have to be even. The only one that's not even is the ninth candle, the shamish. Now, you have to make sure the candles you get have to last for a minimum of a half hour after nightfall. So nightfall these days are about five o'clock. If you light your menorah, then after five o'clock, it has to last at least a half hour. Some of the candles that you buy in the stores for a dollar or two bucks, Um, does not do that. They actually burn, especially in the later days when the heat is intense from the various candles. When you have four or five candles already being lit, the candles melt much quicker. So you have to make sure to get candles that are longer. We actually uh, um, acquired uh, many, uh, plenty of candles that last longer. They're longer candles. And if you like some, just let us know. Now, if you're filling up oil, the same thing. You have to put in enough oil to last till a half hour after Nightfall. However, if you light your candles or your or your oil at sunset, which is you know four four fifteen, then it has to last for about an hour and a half because it has to go from when you light it all the way till a half hour after nightfall. Another interesting thing is that a menorah. Does anybody have any idea how tall a menorah could be? Now, how small it can be, the smallest it can be any size. A menorah has no limit to how small a menorah can be. As long as the candles light and they light for the the appropriate time, it's good enough. But here's a kicker. A menorah cannot be bigger than 31 feet. So if you decide that you want to make yourself a huge menorah to place out in front of your house and light the menorah for all your neighbors to see, Just remember, there's a variance, a a, a biblical variance, a law that you cannot make a menorah or light a menorah above 31 feet. For that matter, and the reason for that is because generally people don't look up more than that distance. When people are walking down the street, they only look up a certain distance and they don't look up very high up, you know, over 30 feet or so. And the mitzvah of Hanukkah is not just to light a menorah, it's that it should publicize the miracle. And by placing a menorah that high, people won't see it. In fact, that's the reason that if you live in a building, I mean, around here we don't really have that. We don't have buildings, huge high-rise buildings. But it, where I grew up in New York, in Brooklyn, there were big high-rise buildings. If you lit your menorah in, the, in your apartment, on the a, on a fifth floor or a sixth floor, you could not place it at the window. Then it can only be placed inside the house. Which leads me to where should you place the menorah? Originally, the law says you should place the menorah at the doorway, outside the doorway. But since being in exile, which included a lot of persecution of the Jewish people, we now place our menorah either by a doorway inside your house opposite the mezuzah. So you have a mezuzah on the right side and the menorah will be on the left side of the doorway. Or some people also Place it at the window. And that's the laws pertaining to the menorah. Now, what about using electric? I already talked about this last week. Electric is not kosher for the mitzvah of menorah. You cannot light bulbs, put light bulbs on your menorah and say that you fulfilled the obligation of lighting the flame. The flame has to be an actual flame to commemorate the miracle in the temple. However, if you want to publicize the miracle and you want to show off your Jewish pride, then go ahead, put a bulb menorah, electric menorah at your window to announce it to the streets. Additionally, on top of your candle menorah that's in your house. You can place a menorah on your car, as we do, we always have a menorah in our car. And that reminds me that tonight we're going to have our parade of cars. We have tens of cars with menorahs on top that are going to parade from Chabad and head down from Chabad through Milford into Medway. We're going to light the menorah in Medway at Chote Park. If you live in Medway, join us at Chote Park. At uh, It's on Main Street in Medway at Uh, 3.30 p.m. We're going to light the menorah there. And then we're going to head from there. We're going to be led by police and a a, a ladder truck from the fire department. Um, It's going to be a lot of fun, a great Jewish pride, and a great show of light in darkness. And we're going to head from there to Rentham, where we're going to light the menorah in front of Gilly's house. We talked about them earlier. Um, they're, They're an amazing organization, which was created in memory of Stephen Gilmeister, who passed away after many struggles with addiction. So we're going to light the menorah there at 4:15, and after the celebration at uh, Gilly's house, we're going to travel back to Milford, where we're going to light. We're going to have hot soups and latkes. So if you want to take part in any part of that, you can join us in. In Medway at 3.30, join us in Rentham at uh, 4.15, or join the entire parade. If you want to join the entire parade, go on our website, www.jewishma.com, J-E-W-I-S-H-M-A.com, and you can register to join the parade. We still have one or two menorahs that we can lend out to place on top of your car, We'll help you do that at 2.30 this afternoon. We'll help you place the menorah on the car. You'll be able to join us on the parade. And then at the end, come back and then we'll take the menorah off and put it away in storage for next year for somebody that would like to borrow a menorah. Um, Also, those of you who have children, you can bring your children to Chabad at 2.30. The the ladder truck from the Milford Fire Department will be here. The kids will be able to play on it. They're also going to have a menorah on the front, and the kids will be able to take pictures. Adults can take pictures too. So uh, whether you're taking part in the parade or you just want to come um, for your kids to have fun on the fire truck, uh, please do that. That's going to be from two thirty till three. Three o'clock we leave on the parade. If you want to join the parade, as I said, you must register to join us at the menorah lightings, free of charge. Just join us, 3.30 in Medway, 4.15 in Rentham. That's tonight, the first night. And then, when we're done, we're having a grand Hanukkah on ice, a a night of ice skating at Patriot Place in Foxborough. A number of Chabad's are getting together with Chabad of Mansfield, and uh, children, adults are going to be able to skate to to Jewish Hanukkah music, as well as... um, uh, we're gonna they're gonna light the menorah on the ice. And if you want to take part in that, it, it's a beautiful thing. We did it a few years ago. We're doing it again tonight at 7.10. It's gonna be open from 7.10 to 8.50, an hour and a half. If you want to take part, go to our website, click on the link. You can sign up and get a discounted ticket. You can show up and buy tickets there, but it's more expensive. If you want discounted tickets, go to our website, Jewishma.com. Click on the link that says um uh, Hanukkah on ice and register to join for the ice skating at Patriot Place. That's the celebrations for tonight. That's only the first night of Hanukkah. We got a lot going on the rest of Hanukkah. The two, the three important ones I want you to know about, and I hope you'll all join us, is Monday night, tomorrow night, we're going to light the menorah in Franklin Town Hall, Common and in front of Holliston Town Hall. Franklin Town Common is going to be at 5 p.m. And then we're going to head over to Holliston and light the menorah at the Holliston Town Hall at 6 p.m. You know, there was a lot of um, issues of anti-Semitism that happened in Holliston public schools in recent weeks. And I think it's really important to show our, our Jewish pride and show our support for the Jewish people of Holliston. So whether you live in Holliston or you live in the neighboring towns, join us. Tomorrow night, it's Monday, November 29th at 6 p.m. in Holliston we're going to at the Holliston town hall to light the menorah. And before that in Franklin we're going to light the menorah on the town common at 5 p.m. And the last thing I'm going to talk about the menorah lightings, public menorah lightings is Tuesday, November 30th, we're going to light a brand new menorah. We try every year to add a new town to our repertoire of 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 public menorahs and this year we're going to have a menorah, it's ready up at um, the Millis Town Hall that's I think 900 Main Street if I'm not mistaken in Millis but you can Google it and please join us if you live in Millis or live near Millis if you have friends who live in Millis let them know about the menorah lighting at the Millis Town Hall at 6 p.m. on November 30th on Tuesday we look forward to celebrating with you and now a little Hanukkah music Let's go to the Shabbat. Let's go to the Shabbat. Let's go to the Shabbat.
0: Let's go to the Shabbat. 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 let us go to the Mani, I be me hashmani, for to kol Midala, <laughs> Aye Timo Kollashmani. <laughs> I have a name, Nick Bezu Allah. I be me hashmani, for to promote Midala, with Timo Kollashmani.
1: You know, during our Fabrengans, there was a lot of talk. And, you know, in a Fabrengan with lachaims, there's banter back and forth. And somebody said something that was not uh, appropriate. So somebody said to him, you know, you should think before you talk. Well, that sounds like sound advice. You generally tell people, think before they speak. <laughs> so somebody else at the Fabrengan says, no, 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 no. This guy has to think before he thinks. Because everything he thinks, he says. Bada boom. So, this, this, this past Friday night, two nights ago, we lit, what kind of candles? We lit Shabbos candles. Then last night, when Shabbos ended, we made Havdalah to separate between Shabbos and the weekday. And again, we lit another candle called the Havdalah candle. Then tonight, and then Monday night, and Tuesday night, and all the way through next Sunday night, we're going to light candles again. That's a lot of candles. By the way, do you know how many candles we light just between tonight and and um, next Sunday night, somebody, some of you know the calculation is a formula to figure it out. But I'll tell it to you. So if you count the Shamish, the ninth candle, it's forty-four candles. The hint is that when you buy those boxes of candles, they have forty-four candles in them. If you're not gonna do that, it's just I think uh, thirty-six. Anyway, so it's a lot of candles. So as we're preparing for Hanukkah, you know, tonight with the parade and then all the other, it's amazing, amazing Hanukkah events that we're planning and it's so excited. I was thinking about the first candle that we're going to light tonight. That little tiny light that will shine tonight. And I was wondering, think about it for a second. What would happen if the candle that we light tonight would not be interested in being a light. You know, maybe it's not feeling appreciated by everyone around. Maybe it's just not in the mood. Simply not in the mood. Doesn't want to be a light. You know and I know that none of these thoughts matter because it's a candle. And a candle does what a candle does. It shines, it brings light It brings light to the world around it. Not even just near around it, even further away. And it brings light regardless how the candle is feeling inside. And maybe that's one of the messages of the candles. You see, the the previous Rebbe said that we should sit next to the candles after we light them. We should sit there for a half hour. And watch the candles and listen to the candles because the candles have a story and a message to tell us. And maybe this is one of the messages that our candle might be telling us tonight. In life, we often go to great lengths to feel good on the inside. We wanna be happy, we wanna feel fulfilled, and we wanna be appreciated by others. And when we don't feel so good on the inside, We just don't feel like shining on the outside. And maybe the candles remind us to shift our priorities. We should view ourselves and think of ourselves as a candle. 100%, it's important to feel good about ourselves. But our main focus should be on the impact that we make on the world around us the Talmud points out, and as I mentioned this earlier, that the mitzvah is to place the Hanukkah candles at the outside of the front door of one's home. Because when placed outside, much of the menorah's light will be directed to the outside, not so much to the inside. Ultimately, I believe this, and I think you know this, that by focusing more on our impact and focusing less on ourselves, we will be happier people. I've read through a number of letters from the Rebbe where people have turned to the Rebbe and asked for advice when they were looking for happiness or Menuchas sanefesh uh, loosely translated as calmness. And the Rebbe often suggested that they should look for ways to become a positive influence on those around them and those they have contact with. The happiness and sense of fulfillment will automatically come without the need to look for it or to chase after it. It will just be there. When you help someone else, you become happier. Essentially, the Rebbe helped people reveal their own candle-like personality. So remember, if this one lesson you might want to take from the candles tonight, you can be happy simply by making others happy. Ladies and gentlemen, I'm so happy you spent the last almost hour together with me on Sunday Shmooze. I'm looking forward, and I hope you're going to join me over Hanukkah to the many events that we're doing don't feel like you can only come to one and not the other. We have events next weekend as well on next Sunday. We have many events, Hanukkah events taking place at almost all of the uh, senior living facilities in the greater Milford area. In all the different towns, we're going to be going in person Uh, to those uh, facilities to light menorah and to to sing Hanukkah songs to bring light and joy to them as well. And you can come and take part with us. If you'd like to join us in any of those uh, senior living facilities, we'd love to have you come and take part and bring joy to the seniors living there as well. Either way, number one, make sure to have a menorah and candles to light tonight. And if you don't have reach out to me, rabbi at Jewish MA, and we'll make sure that you have candles and a menorah uh, tonight. Number two, join us. Come celebrate with us. While you can't fulfill your obligation by taking part in a public menorah lighting, you can fulfill your obligation of bringing light and joy to the community by joining us at one of these public menorah lightings or at the ice skating or at the uh, celebration we're going to have next week, the family uh, disco night. Either way, I want to see you and celebrate together with you. Ladies and gentlemen, remember your next deed will change the world, so make it a good one. Lechayim, and I wish you a Freylichin Chanaka. You've been listening to Sunday Shmooze with Rabbi Mendy Kievman from the Chabad House Jewish Community Center on Cedars Street in Milford. For more information on the Chabad House, including upcoming events, adult programs, Hebrew school, and more, visit gotchabad.com. That's G-O-T-C-H-A-B-A-D.com. Shalom. <laughs>